Welcome to The Disenfranchised, helping you to find a career path away from employment by exploring the franchise community. My name's Ed Pennell, and I'll be speaking with the entrepreneurs, experts, and leaders from across the franchise community, discovering their life stories and hearing their tips for success away from the typical nine to five grind. On this episode, I'm speaking with Sammy Searle, founder of a successful kids entertainment brand called Boogie Tots. Leveraging more than 26 years of experience in the entertainment industry, both nationally and internationally, Sammy has developed a program aimed at building confidence in children through dance and music. These classes are delivered in local community schools and nurseries, and Boogie Tots was recently voted Children's Entertainment Company of the Year in southeastern London. Boogie Tots is now a young franchise brand on the cusp of franchising, and so this is a great opportunity to explore why a business decides to franchise and what they actually want to achieve. So let's jump into this interview with Sammy Sell. I hope you enjoy it, and I'll catch you on the other side. So, Sammy Searle, welcome to The Disenfranchised. How are you doing today? Yeah, good, thanks, Ed. Good, and it is an absolutely boiling hot day today, isn't it? Ever, uh, I'm, you're in Kent, so I'm guessing you've had pretty much the same, right? Yeah, been a really hot weekend. A bit cloudy at the moment, though, so it's quite nice. Yeah, it needed to cool down a touch, didn't it? But, um, yeah, uh, it's always, an, it's always uh, puts you in a positive mood when it's sunny outside, at least, doesn't it? So, uh, yeah, it's all good. Yeah. But... Uh, let's jump straight into the questions then. And my first question um, to you is the same with everybody. Um, I'd love to find out what was your first job, Sammy? Uh, so my first job uh, was actually working in Tandy's. Do you remember them? Tandy's? Yeah, it's like an electrical shop, similar yes. to Dixon's. Yeah, in my uh, head, I thought it was Candy, though, for some reason. But yeah, Tandy's, yeah, I remember My that. brother-in-law was the manager there and my sister worked there and... Uh, he got me a job there at the weekend and I was probably a bit too young to be working there officially. Okay. But, um, yeah, I remember working there at the weekends. It was, uh, it was a great job. It was um, £25 for the day, which was amazing for a 15-year-old, you know. Yeah, yeah. That was great. And it was in a time where you got double pay on a Sunday. So that was really good as well. <laughs> so, yeah, that was my first, like, uh, Saturday job, if you like. But my real first job as career-wise was I went to um, work in Scarborough as a haven mate. As a haven mate? Yeah. Okay, excellent. And was this something you'd set out to do as th this is the career path I want to go on or how did it come about that job? Yeah, so I went to college and did performing arts after like my GCSEs. I, I did get into university, but I decided uh, that wasn't really what I wanted to do. Um, so I went to uh, college and... After college, one of my friends said that they're doing these auditions for Haven. I was one of these people that used to get the stage um, newspaper every week and I used to go through all the um, auditions in it. And uh, my dream was to be a pop star. So, okay. <laughs> yeah. So I applied for lots of different groups, always up to uh, Pineapple Dance Studios for auditions. And I remember one of my college friends said they're doing auditions for these Haven um, like uh, entertainers are you going to go? So I went and uh, was lucky enough to um, get the job. Yeah, nice. So what was it about being a pop star that kind of, um, was it exciting and interesting to you? I just always wanted to be that since I was a little girl. Um, I was quite shy, actually. But um, like doing performing arts gave me sort of an outlet, I guess, to, um, 
I don't know, express myself. Um, I always enjoyed singing. I didn't really know if I was very good at it, but um, I used to really enjoy doing it. And when I was younger, like karaoke wasn't really a thing. I think if karaoke had been a thing, that would I would have loved it, you know, <laughs> when, I was, uh, <laughs> when I was small. Yeah, so, and I went for this audition and I got it and I was um, signed up as the lead female vocalist. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. So it was kind of like being a pop star <laughs> for a little while. Yeah, nice. So, um, so which which haven was it? Uh, I went to Caton Bay in Scarborough. Scarborough. Okay, yeah, I don't know that part of the world very well, yeah, but um, <laughs> what what was it? Um, what was it like then on your first day there? Because I'd imagine it's got to be pretty uh, nerve wracking going up in in front of people who are expecting a certain level, I guess. Especially at that time, people were expecting pretty decent um, shows, weren't they? Yeah. So um, there was lots of training involved. We had like, um, you go, so the training was down in Dorset. So we'd all go down there um, to learn for two weeks solid how how to train to be a haven mate and then travel all the way up to Scarborough or Bumbersell, all the way up to Yorkshire on the train and then, um, you know, be a part, meet your team and be uh, an, an uh, entertainer. It was great. It was nerve wracking. I remember didn't always go to plan but it was a great um starting block it was a great way to learn it was um it was fantastic like we had a compare you you learned everything you learned to compare the shows game shows they did kids disco activities so it was really I think I I run like football tournaments with a local um guy from the Scarborough FC so there was lots of things to learn and absorb and um be amongst customers and kids and it was great really it was one of the best learning things I've ever done yeah no it sounds really cool and um what how old were you at that, at that point in time uh, 18 I, I might 18. be 19 actually 18 19 okay I I always imagine behind the scenes there's some craziness that goes on in these holiday camps with all the reps and things like that was it <laughs> was it like that yeah it was um, <laughs> yeah lots lots going lots of parties um we have, there's lots of exciting things happen actually um there's a program on now called hunted but there was something similar to that back when um i was working at haven where um these groups of people were trying to escape another group of people and they came to our holiday park looking for them we also had um, the film little voice was filmed right next door to where we were working so there was um lots of like celebrity things happening all the time it was quite exciting you just had to be aware of it sometimes it would pass us by and we didn't even know it happened but yeah it was quite um back in the day haven and butlins they were quite a bit of a, a hub for um you know celebrities and lots of entertainment uh style shows i guess yeah yeah i guess it was really but um so who, who was the big celebrity that you saw that sticks in your mind i saw jane horrocks Oh, I don't know who that is. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> who's, it, what's, who's Dane Horrocks? She's Bubbles in Absolutely Fabulous. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've also um, met Shane Ritchie. Oh, of course, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that was before he had his sort of, um, I think he was on a down and then he's gone back up again. <laughs> he was on a down when he came to Haven. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. So how long were you doing that job for? So I was, went to Haven for a year and then um, I decided the next season I'd try something different. So I think I applied for Butlins 
um, which I did for a little while. Um, then I started looking at jobs abroad. I went to work as um, for someone called who Sunworld, I think Sunwing, um, as a um, a rep for a bit, kids rep. Um, I just tried a few different things until um, I went back to Haven. Okay. Um, down in Devon and then halfway through that season I got a job working abroad in Cyprus and then I went and did that and from then on I never looked back really once once she was abroad you'd never go back to England so <laughs> <laughs> what was I mean I, I'm guessing it's the weather but was that the, the the kind of main difference that made you enjoy it more so you were when I worked in Cyprus, I was a hotel entertainer, so it involved acrobics, water polo, kids club, um, and doing shows in the evening. But there was, it wasn't as formal. You didn't have to be the best. You could just be good. You, all you had to do is provide a lot of fun, and um, everyone's on holiday, so it's got a holiday atmosphere. In Haven, it, it was very structured and. You've got to be the best singer, you, you know, things like that. Whereas in once you're abroad, it's a holiday atmosphere. People are just looking to have a good time. As long as everyone's having a good time, they're happy. It, um, Yeah, I can't, I'm not sure if I'm describing it well, but it just, it wasn't as pressured. It was more relaxed. It was more fun. There was, and, um, and they didn't have stuff. So all that training from Haven was perfect because they wasn't running like a structured kids club, which meant I could then go in, to that hotel and put in a nice kids club um and people were grateful because they'd not seen this before this is amazing or you know i could use my experience that i gathered and put it into the, these hotels abroad which people on holiday really appreciated yeah it's, it's interesting I, so I, I, this world that you, you've come through it's um it's, it's a bit alien to me it's not something i've really experienced but when you kind of look at the the um the corporate or more white collar kind of world it's exactly the same you know if you start off with a big corporate organization you learn all of the structure and processes and systems that that may have made them so successful then when you transition into a, a smaller more independent business you're then able to take all of those ideas and say well this is how we can create efficiencies this is how we can improve what we're doing and i guess you've done exactly the same thing and i hadn't really thought about that before it's quite interesting yeah, I loved it. Yeah. I loved working in Cyprus. It was amazing. We did a few others. We did like Rhodes um, and Gran Canaria, but it was I just just really freeing. And now, now as the person I am now, you realise that people pay so much money for these holidays, don't they? So yeah. it's really important. And when we go on holiday, we are we're all about the entertainment because we come from that sort of background. But we're also very critical because we come from that background. But I think as a parent, as long as that your child has stuff to do and they're included and it's fun, then, um, you know, you're happy with your holiday and the weather. You've got to, got to guarantee the weather, but that's <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think, I think you're so right from um, my perspective. So I've got, it's now seven and an eight, soon to be nine-year-old. Um, holidays generally don't feel like holidays when you've got kids, right? That, so any ch opportunity you've got to keep them entertained and stop nagging you for snacks or or complaining about something is is a is a big win and that's the little bit of holiday you get isn't it um mm. so no it, it it makes sense and like you say i don't think it has to be absolutely perfect in its delivery you know of songs and things like that as long as people are having fun it kind of doesn't matter that much actually i quite enjoy 
um, a chaotic show myself. Like, <laughs> rather than seeing a, a big kind of West End show, I prefer seeing something that has got mistakes. And, and as long as they're not taking it too seriously, the performers and, and the crowd, it just becomes hilarious, doesn't it? You know, and um, or, or interesting, fascinating to see what's going on, I, I think. So, um, yeah. so yeah, it, it's interesting, I, I guess. Yeah, hadn't really thought of that dynamic before with a Haven or a Butlins where they're so kind of structured and pressure in place compared to the abroad where it is, yeah, it's all about kind of enjoying yourself. So, yeah, more relaxed. In, yeah, definitely, definitely. So, um, so what, what happened after that then? You said you travelled around a few different countries and... Um, yeah, well, I met my husband. That's what happened. So oh, okay. <laughs> when I was working in Cyprus, I, I met my husband. And um, so we it was only a season. So at the end of the season, we'd come home. And um, and then eventually we just stopped going back. We went as um, entertainment consultants for a bit and we would train all the new ones up. And then we'd come home because then we, um, we had started a family and we had a child. So... Although now, I'll say to my husband now, uh, why don't we work abroad anymore? But like, when, when we had a child, we sort of settled down and, um, you know, stayed in England and that was where we were going to be and make our home. So um, put the entertainment world on hold for a bit. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Um, it's like it's life changing at the end of the day, isn't it? To have your own kids and and jet setting about the place yeah. <laughs> is it, not as feasible, especially in the early days, I guess. But um it's interesting what you said there about the consulting piece so um I'm guessing this is hotels or, or chains of hotels you're kind of going in and sort of structuring their programs is that right uh we work for a company so um a Cypriot company that employed us to put the program together and then uh, implement it it was just like a two-week two-week training course and then they're left to their own devices okay yeah. Yeah. Cool. Again, another role I didn't realize existed, but it makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So uh, you've had your child now, um, and I'm guessing they've they've grown up to a, to a degree. What was what was kind of the next step in your career? Where did you go from there? Well, didn't really know what to do for a job. So um, something when I was working abroad, part of the shows was um, dancing. Did a lot of dancing, and um, the in the shows we used to sort of take the routines off from uh music videos it was a big thing when in the 90s early late 90s early 2000s when it music videos so um i decided i'd start an adult class where we would do those dance routines and okay. i just just tried that really and that seemed to to work so I, I could do that in the evenings and that brought in a little bit of money and as things progressed my son obviously love dancing love dancing love singing love anything entertainment and we couldn't really find couldn't find anything for him we did some nursery rhymes at the library um it wasn't really anything we tried like a stage school i took him to a stage school um because i thought he loves music this is going to be really good for him and he just couldn't do it he had to stand on the spot they were saying about doing hot cross buns just stand there if you just stand there seeing hot cross buns he couldn't he wanted to run all around and I just thought he's either too young or it's not for him so yeah. we just decided maybe we'll we'll try our own class we'll make our own class and we'll see if any if there are any other kids out there like mine basically and there was nothing particularly aimed at boys so I could probably find a um 
a tots dance class or maybe like for, for a three-year-old but he wasn't really going to go and do ballet because that wasn't the music yeah. he was into he liked crazy frog michael jackson queen that sort of thing you know so we yeah we just decided to create our own class and boogie tots was born yeah so you, you say that also casually i've just decided to, to start this and that and um for a lot of people they, they they don't think like that right they they think well how can i get a job um to fit around me and you know there's there's always a search for part-time jobs and people end up becoming bookkeepers and, and things like that or you know working in uh, the supermarkets uh, which is all fine right but um yeah wouldn't that have been easier for you? And um, what kind of went through your mind when you were thinking about how to start up this business? And what were, you, what were you worried about as well? Well, I was worried that it wouldn't work, but I couldn't see too... The risk wasn't that big. If I started a class um, and I bought a stereo and, you know, no one came, I didn't really lose anything. We, we gave it a try and, and it didn't go very well I think the very first class, it was very busy. So it was very busy. And I remember it was four pounds at the time to come, which seemed like a lot of money at the time. And I remember one lady came with two children and I charged her eight pounds for it. And again, I thought, oh, this is extortionate, you know, for a very first class. And um, the idea was, <laughs> in hindsight, like the booby tops isn't like this at all anymore. But in the, the idea was that you would learn a routine with your child. So me and Ben would teach you the routine and you would do it and we'd dance together and it would uh, you'd show it at the end. That was the idea. And very quickly we realised this isn't going to work uh, because not every child's like Ben and not every child's going to listen and not everyone's going <laughs> to learn the moves. And so we had to quickly change it. And we ended up singing some nursery rhymes, I think doing a bit of running about. And at the end of the session, I thought, oh, no, this is terrible. This is not what we were hoping for. And um, we just kept trying. So we just kept going every week, trying it, changing it. And uh, we did lose customers because um, it wasn't quite there yet. But eventually we just got picked up by um, a, a, a Sure Start um, Children's Centre. They'd okay. heard about the classes and uh, they got us in for an interview and said, I, Ben was, I don't know why I took Ben, but Ben was with me. And um, I think he might have sold it to them, you know, and uh, <laughs> they took us on and then it kind of, you know, went from there, I guess. I, um, but that maybe didn't answer your question. I did try a cleaning job um, and it was get up early before Ben woke up, before my husband woke up, go out, do the cleaning and come back. And that would bring a bit of extra cash in. I think I lasted three days. I couldn't do that. It's yeah. just, it's, it wasn't for me. So I was always doing those adult classes. It just seemed like a natural progression to try something for kids. And I couldn't see that there was a big risk, you know, and if it didn't work, we tried it, then we're going to get a normal job or something like that, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm thinking of somebody else who, who perhaps is listening to this that's thinking, yeah, maybe I need to do something like that. Um, Cause you're, you're making it sound very simple at the moment, right? <laughs> <laughs> Just start up a class and, <laughs> and things like that. It, but I think you, you, you've kind of in some degree described already the difficulties because pricing is a thing that's really difficult to kind of wrap your head around because you don't feel like you should be charging the amount you should be charging so you underprice it and then there's there's a risk that you know you, 
you just basically make no money from from doing it. The what happens in the classes, you might come in with an idea, but it doesn't necessarily mean that people are um, actually want what you think they want. Um, so there's the, there's all these little things, and there's much more besides that as well. But like times of the classes, age groups, what what are you going after? Uh, it, it must must have been quite. Um, a difficult kind of challenge. So uh, was there any point where you felt like I'm going to give up on this idea and, and just go back and find something else? Yeah, loads of times, lots of times, because it it become, um, it become difficult. I, when I was working for the children's centre in particular, um, people would turn up. So I think I would be paid by them. So that was kind of like a security thing. They would yeah. pay me. So I didn't have to worry how many people turned up uh, for some of it. And, people would turn up mums would turn up they would chat the whole time the kids wouldn't join in I think I've had I think I've done sessions where people have just sat around the edge and not joined in you know and um but we kept going because sometimes you get the the best classes you've ever had and the kids are enjoying it and they're loving it and um yeah I guess it is hard but I, what I've learned that I'm quite good at is I can adapt. I, I know my music. I know um, kids quite well. And um, there's, a, there's a way to engage. Something we do now in Booby Tots, which is uh, something that's obviously developed, is we ask for favourite songs at the beginning of the class. So if I know that one child particularly likes Peppa Pig, then I can put a Peppa Pig song on and for a moment it will capture that child and they'll join in. It might only be that song, but once you've got them, they tend to stay and enjoy it for the moment. And um, we also put um, lots of songs where they have to dance with a partner. So it's not like the parent can't sit back. They have to come and join in at some point. Like things like um, a classic one is Grand Old Duke of York because we get them to lift them up. I'm sure lots of people do that. Um, but it, in, it's a bit of peer pressure on the parent as well <laughs> to join in because sometimes they won't. We generally Boogie Tots attracts the parents that do want to join in. So, um, but yeah, no, it was hard. I've made. I think that's where why it is successful now because I've made all those mistakes. I've been through all those um, terrible classes. Like even when you get a bad class, I think mm, it's not my worst one. I've had worse than this before. Um, yeah, and sort of tried and tested everything that works and what doesn't work. Yeah, no, it's 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 good. So, what what kind of drove you through through those difficult times? Because that's those difficult classes. That'd be when a lot of people just go, nah, "Not doing this anymore. It's it's too much like hard work. I'm not enjoying it." So, what 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 do you think is the 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 main thing that's kind of driven you through that? Well, um, I'm quite determined. Um, I um, always seem to think, you know, I don't, I don't leave the sinking ship. I'm going down with it. But, um, yeah. <laughs> Good job my... you weren't on any cruises then. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but for my kids, it was it's the perfect job. It was the perfect job to work around the children, and the and the children's centres believed in it. They believed it was working. So maybe, maybe at those times it wasn't the class. Maybe it was the marketing. Maybe it was, um, you know, getting it out there. Um, and I don't think I ever, I, I never gave it up. I think it's always been kept going and it, it developed. I did some after, well, again, with my children, once my children went to school, I tried to get in their school and we did after school clubs. And then once my daughter, 
my so I've got three children so my daughter is the youngest once my daughter went into the school I then pushed to get um boogie tots in for reception I managed to, I managed to get boogie tots in for year one and year two while she was still in the oh, class nice. so yeah that was quite good so um yeah why did I stick with it it I stuck with it because it had potential it's always had potential there was nothing else like it um or, or nothing like it in our area and it was getting good results parents love it parents are really enjoying it um word of mouth was spreading and um like we were getting people started asking us for parties like something i've not really thought of before and it just kept sort of expanding and developing and i could see potential in it so i stuck with it yeah awesome what what do you wish you so how long has uh boogie tots been going for yeah started in 2008 so 15 years ago 15 years ago so of the stuff you've learned now what would you wish you'd known back then yeah, I should. I wish I had more um, business knowledge or like marketing skills. Or I feel like only since the pandemic, when everything went online, that I sort of discovered business coaches and um, marketing coaches and all that stuff. I, um, as an entertainment background with not really much business sense, I guess. Um, I feel if I had that, could have progressed. We could have got um, bigger a lot quicker and took on staff I had a few bad experiences with staff and um I sort of let it affect me and I didn't want to get it I just it's you must find Ed I think lots of people talk about this it's really hard to find good staff isn't it people that are (laughs) invested in the business as you are and um I suffered a bit from that and it took me a while then to uh sort of look at that again and uh, but now I have a a few like instructors that are, are perfect so um, I would have done that earlier. I would have got better staff earlier and I would have moved to different areas quicker, I guess. Yeah, it's a, a challenge a lot of people find. I mean, that's why there's this massive uh, recruitment industry out there, right? Because <laughs> people are forever moving on. And um, I think the the biggest reason is that not enough people know their own why or know the why of the people they're about to invest their time or money in right so I'm, I'm including franchising into this as well as employment because um i noticed it myself over the careers i was just sort of felt like i was lining somebody else's pockets with money and um I, I i didn't perhaps because i didn't understand their why you know i didn't understand why that business existed and i didn't understand my why why you know why do i work um so having those things really clear in your mind, I think builds a stronger connection because you're all then pulling in the same direction, right? You, you know, if yeah, if um, if do it for the love of 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 um, you know, seeing kids uh, connect better with their parents or um, have have fun, you know, that's that's better than somebody who's uh, when you're employing them, it's better than somebody who's just doing it to buy a pair of trainers or something like that, right? If you can find someone who has that same why as you, then then it'll be a much sec- more successful connection, I think, in the long run. So, um, yeah, so yeah, that important factor there to consider whenever employing, I think. But it's just not talked about enough in the employment world at all. It's all about what's your job title and salary. So yeah. uh, there we go. But um, okay, so it, 
15 years now. So how has the, the business evolved over time? Obviously, you've talked about different classes or different elements to the classes. Uh, you've gone into schools and things like that. But what what's the business look like today? Yes, yeah, so we have community classes. We work in schools and nurseries. And uh, we are like on the cusp of franchising. Okay. Yeah. So, so what brought about that decision? What you know, franchising? Why? Why go down that avenue? Not why not open up more more classes elsewhere? Because at the moment um, we're sort of fully booked. We can't really get any bigger than we we are where where we are. And um, the, I, I never really thought about franchising until it was sort of introduced to me um because i had i maybe like other people had ideas about what franchising is and my business couldn't be franchised doesn't make enough money doesn't you know expand on what your thoughts are there because i'm really interested to hear that i'm sure my husband said to me a long time ago oh you have to make a certain amount of money to be able to franchise your business okay my business is a successful business um and it it could make a lot of money if if you want it to. So it, it depends on you. So as your business, if you want to add more classes, you know, if you were as a franchisee, you can add as many classes as you want and get more revenue. Um, but I guess I just didn't think it was for me. And um, yeah, I, I, I've um, sort of looked at licensing or thought about licensing, but there's no real control over that. And um, But to be honest, Ed, I just was a mum running a business, being a mum, and running her part-time business and it just didn't think that I could take that any further I guess it was a lifestyle business really and yeah since I got introduced to it I thought actually this is such a fantastic opportunity because someone like me could work around their family if they had a kid like mine they can come to the class children are fantastic props you've then got a child to demonstrate all the moves you need to do um and have fun with like something we do with uh, something called sleeping bunnies so you go to sleep and my kids used to just like pile on top of me all the time and like you get loads of hugs and it just shows that you're a normal person and you love your kids and you're happy to be there and spending time with them and I think that's important so someone else could have that as their job where they could go to a class with their kids entertain a group of uh, families and have that feel good factor and make an impact on their lives so that's something that needs to be shared people need to know about this opportunity and um that's why i decided to franchise really yeah no it, it, I, I agree with you completely i think um like i said before too many th- people are out there looking for jobs that they don't really want to do just because it fits in with their hours or you know brings in a certain amount of money and um, yeah, it's, it's a shame because there are plenty of these opportunities out there um, where they can ha- do something for themselves and for their for their their families, you know, and involve them in the business. It doesn't always have to be like you said. Like I say, you're taking your son along to um, to the classes. Well, that's um, that's the perfect job <laughs> at the yeah. end of the day. I say job, but you know, it's not. It's a uh, it's it's some form of work isn't it it's, it's business ownership but um yeah yeah I agree with you I think more people should be aware of this as a as an option right I don't I don't think it's necessarily right for everybody but it should, it should be an option right like yeah. uh to know that you can you can do this and, and I think there's a certain amount of imposter syndrome as well isn't there like I can't start a business I don't know how to do it well that's that's the kind of beauty of the franchise and element of it is that 
you don't have to. You don't have to look back in 10 years time and wish you had a business coach because you kind of got one from day one, right? You don't have to think I've wasted a year or two trying to work out my pricing structure because somebody's already done that for you. So those are the big benefits. Um, And it's interesting to hear that that's your your kind of why is that you want to help other other parents experience what, what you have or have that opportunity like you did. Rather than sometimes I hear from franchisors what I just wanted to spread the classes as wide as I can and and reach other people, which is still, you know, um, is good because they're trying to educate young kids and things like this. But, um, yeah, thinking about the parents and, and helping them, I think is a, a really nice way to have. So that's no, cool. Yeah. I mean, I do want to spread the class because it is such a good class. Someone said to me um, recently, like, you've got to remember, Sam, not, not all mums are dancing with their children in the kitchen. And I thought, oh, you know that I felt quite emotional about that because that's just who I am we are the sort of family that will dance in the kitchen we get involved in activities and to think that some people don't have that and that's so when I go into schools and nurseries that's what you're providing for them they may not have that um I don't know freedom to be themselves and have fun and and dance and just be a bit silly and uh, that's one of the most rewarding things when I go into the nurseries how much they look forward to it and they will scream and chant and cheer when I get there. So, you know, I go into work and people chant my name. They tell me they love me. They tell me I'm their best friend. Uh, They've missed me. And will I come to stay at their house? You know, so who wouldn't want that? Yeah, sounds amazing. And <laughs> and I, I'm a big advocate of dancing in the kitchen. Um, We've we got these um LED lights put around underneath our, um, our worktop. Yeah. And they they sort of flash all different colours and stuff like that. And we yeah we've we've always put music on for the kids. So it's perhaps not the sort of music you've generally had. It's I've got them into System of a Down, um, <laughs> Metallica, <laughs> all stuff like that stuff that I like. Uh, and um, it's uh, my daughter into a Metallica fan. To be honest, <laughs> I must admit, Ed, I've been to a nursery recently and. At two different nurseries, children have been asking me for ACDC. So I don't oh, know. Oh, yeah, ACDC as well. What's yeah. been going on, but yeah, they seem to like that. But they really yeah. like to rock out. That's uh, We have a thing where we rock out now and we play our imaginary air guitars and uh, yeah, mad minute. No, it's, it's good. I love it. Absolutely love it. So, uh, no, that's, that's awesome. So, what? where do you see the. So, Actually, let's go back a little bit. So when when are you franchising or potentially franchising the business? Have you got something in the pipeline as a, a launch date? Yeah, so we're looking for franchisees now. Okay, straight away. Okay. And and what's kind of your your goal for the, the network? Do you have kind of like a size you want to reach in terms of, you know, number of franchise units? Well, ideally, um, up to maybe 50, you know, what... Ideally, we'd like I'd like one maybe in sort of every county, every town. I mean, every town might be a bit ambitious, but yeah, yeah, I'd like to people to be able to go to a boogie tots wherever you know wherever they move to, or if they um, visit friends, you know, I'd like them to be able to um, go to boogie tots. But also, um, I mean, this is a bit far off, I imagine, but also I can see it working abroad because where it's come from. Um, with the kids disco party element you know um, which is very much from the entertainment we we enjoy when we go on holiday Um, it could definitely work in um, uh, different countries for like mums there to run yeah 
Cool. Excellent. So, um, thank you very much for sharing your, your story and your journey. Um, I've got a, a few more questions I want to ask you now, though. Um, uh, and I'm quite looking forward to this one, uh, just because of that entertainment background. So, um, <laughs> the first one is, uh, what's been the, the, the funniest, strangest or weirdest moment in your career? So there's been a few um, funny moments, many costume fails. Um, <laughs> but one I will tell you is when I used to work um, at Haven, I used to dress up as Anxious the Elephant. Okay. And um, she had a hoop for a skirt. So we would be backstage getting ready. Um, there was Greedy the Gorilla, Anxious the Elephant and Rory the Tiger. So Rory the Tiger's gone on stage, he's doing his bit. And Greedy and I are backstage waiting to go on. Now, because it's our backstage area, everyone's got like their drinks of water, pints of water ready to drink. Well, anxious his skirt hooped over the glass of water. Um, I pulled it back and then it went all down anxious his legs. So it looked, <laughs> looked like she had an accident. But then oh, also, also because our um, backstage area was sort of like a rectangle, Greedy was down the other end. So to get onto the stage, you'd have to go past this wet patch that I'd just created. And because they have that sort of flat feet, he couldn't, he kept, he was sort of skating on it for ages. He fell over a few times. So then he got wet and it was just a complete disaster. And then we go on stage and it's like nothing's ever happened. And we're just um, anxious he's there with a wet patch. Yeah. <laughs> I bet if the, if, if, the people could have seen that though they'd have been laughing even more right like that'd have been amazing that's the sort of thing I like to see is the the mistakes because we're all human we all make them so yeah, yeah it'd been... another thing with anxious is she didn't have proper hands so she sort of had you can imagine an elephant's foot is sort of round isn't it so her yeah. hands were like that so you sort of had to pull it push it in half and um one our Rory the tiger our entertainer went on holiday so we got one from another holiday park who we've Obviously, they know the show, but we've not worked together before. And at one point, Rory the Tiger hands Anxious the Elephant a skipping rope. And obviously, in these things, you can't see very well. So he keeps trying to pass the skipping rope, but Anxious can't quite get it with her hand. I think that went on for about four or five times oh, before no. he actually got it. <laughs> but the, the sound carries on. The talking and the show carries on while we're still trying to get Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, brilliant. Funny. I can, I can imagine there's just so many laughs throughout that whole kind of, um, that job, basically. It sounds like a lot of fun. Not yeah. sure I'd do it, but it sounds like fun. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It was, um, it's a good life, but it is, it is a party life. So we would like work all day, then we'd go out to Ayanapa straight after, come home when the sun sets and then go to Akarovic. So it's quite um, full on. It's not yeah. a life I could. It's not a lifestyle I could have now, but you yeah. can have it in your twenties. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Excellent. So, um, what's been the proudest or most inspiring moment from from your career then? So I often receive messages from uh, parents that have children that have been to boogie tots, and um, I received one from a lady who. Um, goes to a nursery their child goes to a nursery and uh, it was their very first time they'd been to nursery and she said that she suspected he has autism and he doesn't really talk and she sent me a message saying that uh, their key worker had told the mum what a fantastic uh, session he'd had with Boogie Tots how he engaged with it and he loved it and um, it really brought him out of his shell and he joined in and um, she 
sent me this lovely message just saying how much she was grateful that I was the one thing that brought him out of his shell and, um, you know, helped him engage other people. I mean, that's really nice, really, really touching. Because sometimes I just think I undervalue um, what it is. And I think I just go there for 30 minutes of dancing. But actually, so much more than that. They don't always get an opportunity to be themselves or have a shell. I mean, I do sometimes feel like I just create chaos when I go there. <laughs> but they are, they're allowed to be chaotic. They're allowed to run around. They're allowed to shout. They're allowed to... Um, be themselves and and build up their confidence their confidence to ask me for songs I've got I mean we're in in a nursery so they're only like three or four and uh, one girl said to me I'm not smiling today because I'm being Wednesday so like Wednesday Addams yeah, yeah. it's just but then but then I'm lucky enough that I've got a song that would kind of suit Wednesday Adams. so then we did a bit of that and we did some scary stuff and I just it's just it's nice to be able to be that for them and yes it's not necessarily um, teaching them anything, but it's giving them, allowing them to be confident, hopefully allowing them to uh, want to dance to music and not be embarrassed to do that. And hopefully that's something they will continue to do throughout their life. I mean, my son, my middle son, Owen, he didn't want to join him in Boogie Tales. I had to. No way. It was not for him. But now he's extremely confident confident 16 year old and he would not hesitate to get on the dance floor and dance so <laughs> for someone that didn't want to do it he's now sort of it's worked on him you know so I feel quite proud of that yeah so making a difference to to, to the kids that are attending and, and and you're you're right sometimes they just need that especially because um I didn't realize how structured primary school is I I remember it as just playing some games and doing a little bit of maths and, and not a lot else really now my kids are you know it's it's not not quite a military operation but you know it feels so structured um which you know I understand it's important for their development and stuff like that but yeah sometimes they just need a release just to be silly don't they and have fun and, and the fact that your classes they're able to to choose their songs I think is a win um yeah as a parent I've not liked a lot of the kind of prescribed um musical stuff in the past because I don't like it and I don't want to be you know dancing around to it so if if there's an opportunity to choose a you know a rock song an ACDC song and stuff like that yeah that, that, that's pretty cool and that adds a lot of fun into it so um no that's really good that's really good um so on to my final question then and that is and, and then this one might be a little bit difficult for you to uh, answer because you're you're not necessarily franchising per se just yet. But if you were sitting in front of somebody who's thinking about investing in a franchise, what do you think your advice to them would be? Um, I think you've got to be determined. Um, it's not going to be easy. You're still going to have to run your business and take a lot of responsibility. But what the easy part will be is that you have someone there for you to guide you help you uh, train you and when things get bad or if classes numbers get low then you can look at your franchisor and they will have solutions on how to put those classes back up um, it's going to be extremely rewarding you're going to get to choose your own hours you can choose when you work you don't have to miss sports day you don't have to miss any school performances you can work around that um, 
and you can work as much or as little as you want because you could run community classes and if you have to work if your children are uh, younger than school age then you can put lots of community classes on and take your child with you or if they go into school then you've got the option to work in schools and nurseries as well um and then if you want extra revenue, you can do parties if you fancy that, but it would mean working weekends. So it's up to you. There's a lot of choice there. Um, yeah. But, you know, you would need to be ready to invest and not only your money, but your time as well. Yeah, I think the what you said there about the support element, that's um, that's the big thing for me. I think you don't necessarily think about that when you're in employment. Uh, about having that support and guidance and that and when you start up your own business you always feel like or you you've always thinking it's going to be just me it's all going to be on my own and that's great but and but I know from a personal experience transitioning from something you're you're already doing and starting a business doing exactly the same thing all of a sudden a lot changes and a lot more decisions have to be made by you Uh, even though I was making lots of decisions beforehand I'm now making all of the decisions and it's um it's it's overwhelming at times you know because you just got so many little things like that you know are going to impact your future like I remember sort of cribbing over a couple of pounds here or there on a piece of software you know going well which one's the best one and I spent so much time thinking about it that it was cost me more money than it was probably worth but but I've had somebody there just to say just do that one. It doesn't matter. Like, just get it running so you can start earning the money quicker. That's that's more important. So, th- those little bits of advice uh, are probably way more valuable than than you think until you're actually started a business. I I think anyway. So, yeah. um, I think uh, it can be very lonely, can't it? Quite lonely running your own business, and sometimes you ask the wrong people for your for the advice. So, um, family and friends are wonderful, but they don't know about your business. And that, but they will offer their opinions, and I think sometimes you just need someone who's been through it, knows knows that question. This is what I did. Um, have you tried this? Have you tried that? Oh yeah, didn't think of that. And then there you go. In in a way, they're not emotionally attached. Well, they're then probably not emotionally attached as well, so they can look at it in the the kind of card cold cold light of day and not worry about hurting your feelings to some degree. You know, they they'll say, "Why are you doing that?" that's not right that is not good for your business yeah just stop doing this whatever it may be whereas your 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 family and friends might go well you know um it could work or you know just keep on going see what happens because they don't want to you they don't want to say to you you've been an idiot get on you know do something different i've had plenty of people now tell me you've been an idiot just do this yeah okay i, I needed I, that i got told um what I do is money for old rope. So it suggests that maybe they don't value it, but it's not easy. Not everyone can work with kids. <laughs> no, no <laughs> not at all. Kids and animals. That's what people say to avoid, isn't it? So yeah, no, that's fair enough. Well, look, uh, Sammy, thank you so much for your time today. It's been a real pleasure speaking with you. Thank you for sharing your journey uh, with us. And um, I wish you all the best in the, the future for growing and boogie tots. Thanks very much, Ed. No worries. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, so there we go. That was my conversation with Sammy Searle, the founder of Boogie Tots. And um, it was quite refreshing speaking to Sammy, actually, because um, 
a lot of the brands that I speak to, they tend to be very structured when uh, dealing with kids' activities. It's all about teaching them something and uh, making sure that there's a uh, kind of some sort of alignment to their their education. And I think she's not really looking at it from that angle. She's actually more focused on perhaps some of the softer skills that are involved in growing up. You know, from from kid into adulthood. Um, and most importantly, confidence and, and ability to put yourself out there, which I think is, is sometimes really undervalued in the education system. Um, but it's really great to see that there's people like her out there that are offering that kind of um, service to allow kids just to kind of be themselves, be kids and explore, you know, how crazy they can get. Because I think uh, as, as you get older, there's there's plenty of other time to be you know more serious and um, you know focus on studies and things like this. So I think it's really cool that there's there's something out there like this. Um, but the, but the most important thing I, I sort of gained from that conversation with Sammy was the fact that um, she made mistakes in her early days. And I think if you speak to any business owner that says they didn't make any mistakes and is pretty plain sailing all the way from day one. Um, they're, they're lying basically so um, yeah it's the, the successful businesses and I see it time and time again are the ones that are so determined so driven by their why so determined to, to do what they're they're doing successfully uh, because it's it's what they need for their life it's what they need to to, to, to do for themselves and for their families um, they're determined to get through those challenges and find different ways adapt and overcome them um i think it's just something you've got to think about if you're if you're sitting there you're in employment and you're thinking about a you know what what am i going to do in my life uh you've got to be ready to to fail basically and i think we, we see it quite a lot on social media and, and quotes around that but it's so true you have to be willing to fail make mistakes and um keep on pushing ahead so so there we go so hopefully that's been interesting. Hopefully um, you've enjoyed the podcast. If you have, there's plenty more episodes you can go back and listen to. Uh, I think that, that was episode number 93. So uh, yeah, you can check them out on all the good podcast sites, but also on our website, www.thefranchise.com. There's also now a franchise all section on there as well. So uh, you can see what services we provide to franchisors, just in case you are a franchisor listening in. Um, but yeah, thanks so much for listening. I really appreciate it. And I hope to catch you on the next one. Bye bye.